me, partnership is not people who agree all the time, but it's people who are willing to communicate and willing to just be there. Welcome to the Horsewoman Project, a podcast where we talk about all things horsewoman, from relationships to truck issues, taking care of your nutrition and fitness, and of course, horses. Hello. Hey. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good. I'm just a bit more awake today. I felt a little bit more awake. Guess what? I had an hour of deep sleep. What? Well, now we know why you're awake. (laughs) (laughs) Instead of 20. (laughs) Or nine. I had like, gosh, the other night I had eight minutes. Yeah. Minutes of deep sleep. It explains a lot. <laughs> <laughs> it really does. <laughs> I went out and I bought a business phone yesterday. Ooh, like a separate business line? Uh-huh. Nice. Yeah, and a new phone for the business specifically. So I'm putting all my apps on there and I'm going to erase them off of my actual phone. So that mm. way when I'm done with work, I can leave my phone in the office and like That's not nice. get tempted to ch- check messages because I'm so bad at that. If mm-hmm. there is something going on, I want to keep like looking back at it to see if anyone's replied. So I'm excited to have that. Um, But yeah. And you know what? It's actually pretty awesome to see how much better my clients do because I don't get back to them as quickly mm-hmm. like on the weekends. Because they're able to learn from their mistakes, mm-hmm. you know, so they'll make the mistakes and then they'll be like, so I did this and, and then we can work through it together. And it's, it's nice. And I've noticed that, especially with my group coaching clients, it's been really nice because they go in and they make a bunch of mistakes. Right. And then we discuss it together on our calls live. And what's been really cool is just <laughs> how they, how solidified things have become for them so quickly because they've been able to go out and decide that they're not going to follow the calorie targets and they're going to set their own calorie targets. And then they realize, oh, that didn't work. <laughs> you know, like I was pretty miserable all weekend because I decided to eat 1200 calories instead of 1800 calories, <laughs> you know, and, and it's just, it's really, I know, <laughs> it's, it's really funny, but at the same time, it's good because they get to make those mistakes and then talk to me about it, you know, and then, and mm-hmm. then discuss it and, and realize that they're not the only ones who make the mistakes either, because they all make the same exact mistakes. It's really, it's been really fun to watch them go through yeah. that and to watch them grow because they are allowed to make mistakes. And mm-hmm. I was just thinking like my one-on-one clients don't really get to do that as much because normally I can stop them before they'll make that mistake. Right. Mm-hmm. Because you guys do have more access to me and you know, shoot me. Like normally if I have a client who's like, oh, but I feel like this is too many calories. They're going to be telling me that, right. They're going to be like, Mm -hmm. I feel like this is too many calories. And then I can explain to them exactly why and and talk to them Mm -hmm. about trusting the process and, and get through that before they decide to just go out on their own and eat their own, you know, eat 1200 Mm -hmm. calories. That's Uh what I love. That's what I love having clients realize is, wow, I can eat this much. And I lost this much, and I love that. I love that connection. Yeah. This morning, I even was like, "There, look, <laughs> look at my ads. I've got lines." <laughs> Isn't it so fun? And then the husbands appreciate it too. Yeah, <laughs> my husband always appreciates the body checks. <laughs> yeah, 
I coach a lot of women, right? It's 99% of my business is women mm-hmm. and each one of them. Okay. How can I get my husband on this? Like, <laughs> you can't, <laughs> you know, yeah. like as much as we want our husbands to follow us and do what we want to do, they're their own person. Mm-hmm. But if you leave them alone and you don't nag them about it, they'll watch you. And as you just show up for yourself, they'll start doing the same thing. Yeah. But if you nag them about it, no way are they going to do it. Yeah. No way. Like I've had two husbands so far who will sign on with me, but those are always the husbands who the wife stepped back and just, you know, said, do your own thing. I'm doing this and, Mm -hmm. and went forward. And then the husband's like, Oh, I want to do this too. She got great results. Will you coach me? Mm -hmm. Um, but I do have also a lot of women who are like, I really want my husband to get on and he won't, he won't even want to talk to you or anything. I'm like, yeah, leave him alone. He's an adult, yeah. like leave him alone. Yeah. Well, and it's, there's a lot to the idea of it has to be their idea for them to really feel motivated about it. You know, like you might be able to convince them to do it for a couple weeks or, or something like that. But then they're going to be like, I'm only doing this because you asked me to, and I really don't want to do it. But if you wait until they're ready and they feel the desire to do it for them, then it's like, huh, now it's going to stick. (laughs) Well, I mean, and just if you put yourself in your shoes, would you really want your husband signing you up for a coaching opportunity that you didn't want? I mean, one, not only is that almost insulting, (laughs) but two, that's, yeah, that's a lot to take on when you have no why behind it. Mm-hmm. because we talk a lot about in, in my coaching and you know is what's what's your why why are you doing it because if you don't have a solid why when push comes to shove you're going to quit yeah. so if your why is not there then when things get hard or inconvenient it's going to go out the window so yeah. if somebody else signs you on for the thing if you sign your husband on or your husband signs you on for something your why is not there you have zero why to do it and so not mm-hmm. only are you going to quit but then it's also going to create other issues in your relationship because somebody just told you that you know that they see a fault in you that they're trying to fix and that's i don't feel like that's okay um, yeah this is it's another big conversation i have with clients don't make promises to yourself that you know you can't keep. We're so good at doing that, especially as women, I have noticed. We want to shoot for the moon when we should just be landing a few states away, you know? It's, we just, we shoot for so high because we really do, we want these big things, but it takes steps, right? You need to, you need to follow those little steps first and prove to yourself that you can keep promises to yourself. Because when you shoot for the moon, one, most of the time your why behind going to the moon is not very strong. Like you don't really want to go to the moon when push comes to shove. Right. But Mm -hmm. if you break it down into steps, eventually you're going to find that you made it to the moon and you trust yourself in like every step of the way, because you have broken down those habits or those promises into realistic steps that you can take, that you can move through, that you, no matter what's going on in your life, you can make a non-negotiable. And that's, that's a big thing for me no matter what's going on in your life, no matter how busy you are, no matter how stressed you are, it you've got to make it a non-negotiable. You've got to show up for yourself in this step. So if you do something like let's, let's take steps, for instance, if you are getting, you know, 3000 steps a day naturally, and you want to all of a sudden jump up to 10,000 steps, 
well, when stress comes up, when life things come up, it's going to be really hard for you to get to that 10,000 steps, right? Unless you've got a really, really strong why behind that, it's going to be really hard for you to get that in. But if you go from 3,000 to 5,000, it's like, yeah, 100%, no matter what's going on in your life, you can get 5,000 steps in. Anyone can get 5,000 steps in, no matter how stressed they are, no matter what's going on, right? Unless, unless of course, they've got like... um a broken leg or you know you know other (laughs) other physical thing but that just break it down and then realize you know once you show up and you prove to yourself that you can do 5,000 steps then okay shoot for seven and then prove to yourself that you can do seven no matter what comes up no matter how stressed you are then shoot for nine you know and and move it up incrementally like that versus jumping up to 10 being able to do 10 for five days and then getting 3000 steps on the weekend and feeling like a failure and feeling, you know, losing trust in yourself. So anyway, yeah. off my soapbox. Well, um, <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I was just going to share like with Freya, my horse, um, my goal eventually is to be riding her five days a week, four to five days a week, but I'm riding her once a week right now. And so when I thought about making a goal with her, I was like, yeah, I want to go for five. And then I was like, go for two or three like that doubles or triples what I'm doing right now and I know I can do that I know I can fit it in two to three times a week right now and again it's like building that trust with yourself of like yes I know this is within reach this is realistic this is attainable and then once that becomes a habit then I'm going to bump it up again to three or four instead of two or three and I'll bump it up to four or five and be where I want to be but that way it doesn't feel quite as overwhelming of like, I'm going from one to five. Well, and you have also, cause starting with me that your goal was to do it once a week, right? I think you started and you wanted to do like two or three, but once was more realistic. And now you're making that step up to two or three, right? So you started at one. Now you're making your, your step up to two or three. And I love that because you've learned, you know, you've learned about yourself. You've learned that, Hey, I need, I need to start slower. And go yeah. slower. And there's nothing wrong with only doing once a week. I've had to do the same thing with Sandy, my mare, is mm-hmm. you know, I really I'm I'm going to be doing our first twenty five mile long distance ride this year, which I've got it on the calendar. Yeah, so June. June. <laughs> the first awesome. weekend of June. And so I, I looked at the calendar because originally I was thinking, oh, I would try for a ride in, in April. Um, but then realizing that there is no way that I can get her condition and ready to go by April. So I moved the date, you know, back to, to be realistic with what I can actually do and actually maintain. So I'm, I'm like you, my, my next goal is to do two days a week. Right. And then, um, by March. So my goal right now is by March, um, the beginning of March is to start three days a week. But right now as, as weather gets nice is to, either do two days in the arena or one day in the arena and then one day outside as, as it's getting a little bit warmer, but yeah, I just, I have to start small. It's really hard though, because honestly, I wish I could ride her every day, right? I wish I could do that, but one, weather is not good. And two, I just can't, I just can't do it right now. And and that's okay. It's okay. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I was very proud of myself too, because I had a client that I trained her horse previously a couple years ago and um she wanted she texted me and asked if I had an opening right now because she needed her horse legged up for summer and she was going to be traveling a lot so she couldn't do it as consistently as she wanted and uh I love this horse 
Like he has been one of my favorites that I have had. So I was was like, well, can I fit him in? Can I like, I can maybe make it work. And then I, I was like, no, have this boundary with myself because my goal this year is to focus on my personal horses because they have sat on the back burner for so long. <laughs> and, and I was just, oh, it was, it was hard for me to make that choice because I, I just loved that horse. Um, and I really wanted to help out my client, but at the same time, I do have other clients that have been on my books for a long time, have paid their deposits. So I also have to be fair to them. Like I can't just throw in a horse and bump them back. That's not fair. Um, and, but then I also have to be fair to myself and be consistent with myself and what my goals were for this year. And so it was like, okay, this is the decision I need to make. But you know what? That client's not going to be mad because you said no either especially because they are a good client they love you that's why they reached out to you and they will respect the fact that you just don't have the bandwidth for it now and honestly it's going to be better in the long run because because you don't have the bandwidth for it I feel like you'd almost resent having that horse there and in a way like you would you love the horse and everything but you do get to that point where if you take on too much, you start to resent the extra things that you did take on and you don't show up for them in the same ways that you could. Well, Valentine's Day is coming up. So when this airs, it will be the day of, I think, right? So I think so. Happy Valentine's Day to all of our listeners. So with it being Valentine's Day, we wanted to talk about husbands. <laughs> particularly husbands of horsewomen. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to let Michaela start off because me and her have a bit of a difference in our husbands. My husband is very horsey. He grew up on a horse ranch and is just very, very horse savvy. Tell, tell us a little bit about Eric. Well, Eric's <laughs> amazing. I love Eric. <laughs> he really is though. I'm, I'm writing these notes. I'm like, dang, I, I got a good one. <laughs> <laughs> He's a keeper. <laughs> he is a keeper. So yeah, like Camry said, Eric is not a horse person at all. And yeah, he rides a little bit, but not really. <laughs> he is he's definitely a beginner rider. And his riding experience is all conducive just what he really has ridden with me. He does like to say, Oh, I got my riding merit badge or whatever, but we all know that those don't really teach anything so (laughs) I tell them they don't count (laughs) but yeah Eric is funny um because I've I've been me right I've always been a horse person I've always been really into horses Eric never wanted animals he was never going to have animals because they're too much work he doesn't want to take care of them he wants to be able to travel and all these things and so this was definitely a big conversation we had when we started dating um because honestly, sometimes it surprises me that he even wanted to date me because we met online. I don't know if you know that. Um, so we met a little bit in college dancing, but he doesn't remember me. So we officially met online <laughs> and we dated online first. But my um, my online profile was all about horses, right? Like I had me Roman riding in there. I had me on my horses up in the mountains. And it was like, you, you've you got to be able to ride pretty much. Cause I just wanted to, I, I dated a few guys who were not into horses at all. And I'm, I did not want that. Um, it, it wasn't fun for me. They hated every minute of it. They thought it was stupid. And I'm just, I didn't want that life. So he still swiped on me, obviously. <laughs> um, so, but it surprises me because I'm like, you didn't want animals. You never wanted animals and you swiped on 
literally the biggest horse girl you probably saw on this dating app, right? <laughs> who's riding two horses at once and he's doing all these things. Um, so it was a big conversation we had when we were dating and as we started getting serious was, hey, you've got to understand I'm a package deal. I'm never not going to have horses. I'm never not going to have dogs. Like this is part of the life you were signing on for. And he was willing. So we got married. <laughs> the biggest thing was that communication and just realizing like I was very blunt. I was not about to give up my lifestyle for whatever his ideals were. Um, if he wanted me, then he needed to understand that I came with animals. And and I am not somebody who who does the whole this is my dog thing and not your dog thing it's it's a community thing like as a partnership you take on what I take on and it's our stuff um I have had a few like extended family comment once in a while about like well why is he taking care of your horses they're your horses but that's not how Eric and I do things that's not how I like to do things they are our animals it he knew what he was getting into when he married me we both we both pull our weight when it comes to taking care of the animals. Um, and you know what? He loves them too. It's not like he hates animals. He really does love them. And he actually gets almost more attached to some of them than I do. <laughs> um, which is, it's really been fun to watch him kind of grow and get attached and, and to really start to love, especially the cats. He has turned into a big cat person. He never was a cat person before, but he loves, loves cats now. <laughs> and so he just carries them around. He likes to have them in his lap when he's doing work and stuff. He, he loves cats, which is really funny to me. I don't know, Camry. That's, that's kind of a summary, I guess. And then we can get into the detail. <laughs> yeah. So I guess the summary of uh, Larry and I, so Larry grew up with horses. He grew up in Riverton, Utah, which is now a very, very big city. But back then it was not <laughs> yet. And so they had a little uh, horse ranch there and he grew up doing 4-H and riding clubs and all of those kinds of things. And then when he graduated high school and went to college, he, I mean, you know, most of us when we go to college can't afford to bring our horse with us, even if we have one. So he kind of got out of horses at that point. And uh, he had told me he, he wasn't really necessarily planning on getting back into them because he kind of like Eric, he wanted to travel and have more freedom to be able to go places and do things and not have to worry about getting babysitters for the animals and, and all of that. And, uh, <laughs> and then he met me. <laughs> the <laughs> equine <laughs> science major dun, dun, who dun, dun, is dun. like, horses are my dream. And that's all I think about. And that's all I talk about. <laughs> so anyway, we, got married we both graduated about the same time we got married moved back east I managed a barn there um and and kind of did that stuff and then after we moved around the country to Virginia and then Wyoming and then back to Utah again when we got back to Utah that's when we really started getting into horses as far as horse ownership versus just being in the industry like having it be part of my job so at that point, we actually got Larry's horse that was his 4-H horse, Jasmine, that he had when he was 10 years old. Um, we got her back from his dad and housed her with us on our, our little rental property. And then I bought my first horse, Cody, from my uncle, my black and white paint horse. And um, so we had two horses and we were able to 
ride from our house up into the hills and go on these little bareback trail rides and we just had a lot of fun doing that um so that was kind of where we jumped back in was after we moved back to Utah and kind of history ever since we uh we still have Jasmine she is turning 30 in April which is crazy she was Larry's 4-H horse when he was 10 and she has she was the horse that taught Trip and Thea my six and eight year old how to ride um just the coolest thing for that to like come full circle I'm like oh she's she's magic she's worth her weight in gold but yeah it's it's definitely been a learning curve too with um learning how to be two different types of horse people um and we'll go into that in a bit I think (laughs) I will let you take over again but yeah it's I think it is different having a spouse that doesn't know anything about horses uh, because then they kind of value, I think, maybe a little bit more your perspective to a point because they know that they know nothing. But when you both know a lot about it and your opinions are a little different on it, I think it can be a different aspect. So tell us a little bit about like, does Eric value your opinion or am I off base here? <laughs> yeah, uh, sometimes I feel like, yeah, you're way off base there, Eric um <laughs> love you <laughs> um, no he he does to a point um that is actually one thing that has actually been pretty difficult is and I don't know if it's the same with you Camry but it is so hard to teach your spouse something I mean I teach writing lessons for a living right I train for a living and I cannot teach my husband how to ride to save our lives. And literally sometimes I feel like we need to save our lives. You know, because <laughs> he um he's a very, very, very smart guy. Like one of the smartest guys I've ever met in my life. He just is very brainy. He knows a little bit about everything. And sometimes that I feel like can be a detriment when it's this side of things because he questions everything that I say and do. And not in the nicest way sometimes. So we, we've gotten in a lot of uh, little fights <laughs> over that where I'm like, you want to turn your horse, this is how you need to do it. And, and you know, I'll break it down just like I do for a kid. And he just, well, why? Well, I don't understand why that works. Well, I don't know. You know, and then he'll just kind of go do his own <laughs> thing. So I would love to say that he's very teachable, but I don't, he is not. I have actually told Camry that we need to hire her to teach him next time he decides he wants a lesson (laughs) Um, because (laughs) I finally have just gotten to the point where, you know what, if he is safe and then he can just do his thing and just figure it out as he goes. Um, We did join a riding club when we were in Utah still, which was really nice because some of the guys in the club would, would speak up and just be like, oh, dude, try this which I really appreciated. There was a couple of times where like, well, they'd look at me and they'd be like, well, why don't you teach him this? Like, this is what you do for a job. I'm like, no, no, this is valuable. He needs to learn from somebody else <laughs> because it is, it is very hard to teach him. And he's the same way, even, even with me being a personal trainer and a nutrition coach, he does not take me seriously sometimes when it comes to his training and he wants me to train him, but he doesn't really want me to train him. <laughs> So it can be difficult in that way, but I think a lot of that is more just the personality that we are going against because he is, he's just so knowledgeable that sometimes 
sometimes it can feel like he doesn't feel like I'm that knowledgeable. Um, and we have talked about that a lot, especially when we first got married. I'm like, I feel like you think I'm stupid. <laughs> um, and he definitely does not do that on purpose for sure. Um, don't get me wrong. He, he is the nicest guy and he does not try to make me feel stupid. It's just the way that he comes or asks things or tries to process things versus the way that I do it and it's just very different and when it's your spouse it's a little bit different you know than than a client who's paying you money who is there to learn from you um versus a spouse who's kind of getting thrown into the middle and you're trying to teach as you go Um, yeah well and Larry and I it reminds me of when Larry and I went skiing uh was it last year anyway it was last year and it was the first time either of us had skied in probably 10 to 15 years I mean it'd been a long long time and we neither of us were ever like super amazing at skiing we would go maybe a couple times a year um so one of my clients actually instructed us and (laughs) the first thing he said is he he said don't coach each other (laughs) he's like I'm coach you listen to me don't go over and look at your spouse and be like do it this way do it this way stop doing this he said this he said that he's like nope I'm coach because he's like, as soon as you guys start coaching each other, then you stop having fun and you start, you start like nitpicking and, and getting irritated with each other. And he said, sometimes he'll even just have spouses take separate lessons where you'll each have your own coaching and go with a different group. If you're doing group coaching, because spouses do tend to be like, no, like I know it better or do it this way. Or, you know, the, the nagging type of stuff that spouses do. And, uh, it was just funny to me. So yeah, I think it's more about, like you said, his personality and the fact that he is confident in his knowledge of things. And so, yeah, I don't think it's so much about that. He doesn't trust you more just the way that he's used to behaving and his, his patterns and things. So that's so funny. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Well, and for sure, like he definitely does trust me and, and after a few more years of marriage, we've gotten to that where, okay, I understand this, you know, and we'll just kind of stray away from trying to teach each other, like, specific things. I kid you not, building fences is 100% the way that we can really start a fight, <laughs> especially <laughs> our first our first two years of marriage, man. And I don't know if you're like us. I feel like we are constantly fencing at least once a year, if not multiple times a year, we are fencing in some way or another. And especially with the way that I do things. Um, cause I, I know I've talked a lot about it. Eventually Cameron, we've got to do an episode about the track system. So people aren't like, what the crap is she talking about? But since I do a track system, um, and especially since I tried, I implemented it when we were in Utah and we did not have that much space in Utah. And the reason I implemented it was because of my warm blood who had really bad navicular. And when he was standing all day, it would just get worse and worse and worse to the point he, he would just lay down and not get up. Um, but implementing a track system, it made it so he had to move to get the needs that he needed. And it got to where he could actually work again. He could vault again. He could do these things and be fairly sound. But (laughs) because it was such a small place that looked like 
a mess of a maze. So we were constantly, um, we would just put up electric fence in the middle and literally do a maze where they would have to go and zigzag around and, and circle around and do different things to get to different areas. So we were constantly rearranging the maze depending on what horses were getting along at that point or if I felt like we needed more movement or less movement or, or whatever. So I feel like we were constantly doing fencing, especially the first two years. And then now, I mean, we've got a bigger area and it's just more maintaining the fencing and putting it up and everything. Um, but man, the first time we ever did a fencing project, it was a complete disaster. <laughs> it was <laughs> awful. It, like, I kid you not, I called my dad almost in tears and I was like, next time we do a fence, you have to drive down from Idaho and come help me because I am not letting him fence with me anymore. <laughs> Because we both came at it in a way of just our different our different experiences and how we felt like a fence should be built. <laughs> and it did not coincide with with it. And for me, I'm like, I grew up fencing all the time because I, I had sheep, I had pigs, I had all the animals that we just were constantly fencing and constantly having to put up fences. Where Eric, you know, I mean, he says he grew up fencing, but as we talk, I'm like, yeah, so you've built two fences before we got married you know so there's just that difference and and then the egos get behind us and uh, and I mean I kid you not we got in a fight about how we need to tamp down the dirt around the post like (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was not pretty I mean like I said I called my dad in tears it was like Anytime I need defense, you you have to come down and help me. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because with Larry and I, I, I didn't grow up with horses and he did. So he has this huge skill set with doing all sorts of projects and different things. So when we moved to our place here, we did have to do some fencing and I knew I didn't really know much. Like I had to repair some fences in school and learn how to do that uh, at Utah State University but I definitely knew that I lacked a lot of experience there. So it was pretty much like, Hey, Larry, tell me what to do. What do I hold? Where do I put it? Like, <laughs> tell me the things. Cause I just don't know. <laughs> Cause you had no ego behind it. <laughs> I was like, yep, you can do the fence. And most of the time he did it without me or with his dad. Um, but sometimes I would help too. And the nice thing now is he's been putting up pipe fence this last year. I know I'm so jealous. It's so nice. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's so nice. So then I don't really need to help because I can't weld and he welds. And so he just puts it together. And I help move the pipe where it needs to go. <laughs> like, here, let me lay this out for you. <laughs> I, w- I will be the laborer for you. <laughs> I I love that. It's, it's such a different experience. It's going to be fun to just continue to dive in because I do feel like we have polar opposite experiences when it comes to <laughs> yeah. our relationships. Um, now, Eric and I are really good at fencing and we, we do have a language, you know, we we have our routine now and we realize that it doesn't really matter how the dirt gets tamped as long as it gets tamped. You know? <laughs> There's more than one way to skin a cat as the oh, phrase yeah. goes, right? Oh yeah. And, and we've definitely gotten a lot better as far as communicating and, and different and different things. And we definitely have grown quite a bit. So now it's actually one of my favorite things. Um, and I, I grew up loving fencing, honestly, because that was the time that I got to spend with my dad where we just talked all day long, right? And I'm, mm. God, can you tell I'm a talker? 
<laughs> like <whatever> languages. <laughs> so that looking back that was one of my favorite times was family fencing because that was a time we were all present with each other we were talking we were laughing we were telling each other stories we were talking about the future and I always just loved it so it was definitely our first fencing experience with Eric and and my father-in-law. It was a disaster. I felt like they were trying to kill me. It was like, it was just my husband and his family, um, or at least his, or his dad, because we've worked with his dad quite a bit, but they don't communicate. <laughs> like my dad is very good. And I grew up with, okay, if we're lifting something, right? If you're moving a couch, you're going to tell the other person what you're doing, right? So you don't hurt the other person. So if you're going to, if you need a break and you need to set down the couch, you're going to say, hey, I need a break. Let's set down the couch. Ready? And then we set it down. That's what I grew up around. No. First time I moved a couch with Eric, we're going up into our apartment. I'm at the bottom of the stairs. So I have like the load, right? Eric just flipping drops the couch. Doesn't tell me. He just drops it throws my back out I'm like what the actual heck was that <laughs> he's like well I needed a break I'm like you have to communicate so that's been a big, <laughs> a big thing because even with fencing when we lived in Utah his his family has a tractor that we could use and there's a couple of times I'm like you literally about took my head off because didn't didn't warn me and that tractor was really like I'm not gonna lie that tractor was old and so it was triggery so if you accidentally bumped it wrong it would just drop so you had to be really careful with it but there's there's been a few times I'm like like I would call my dad I'm like I feel like they're trying to kill me (laughs) you know like they're just they would just drop things on me I got a drill dropped on my head one time you know and that was an accident but it's just like they're Sometimes doing projects with them, it was especially just learning that, oh, they don't communicate. I needed to be 10 times more aware of what they were actually doing than because, like I said, I grew up with a dad who was very conscientious of me and making sure that I was okay and would never would never just drop something without telling me. Mm. To a husband who just isn't that conscientious and not because he doesn't care he just isn't that conscientious and just dropping things so it it was interesting but now now fencing is actually a good project we don't fight it it has turned into like the memories where we just get to talk and we get to connect and we get to just do things <laughs> physical and and honestly that's been one of the blessings I feel like about having the animals in our lives and why I still have them right is because it it does give us those opportunities where we are doing a lot of projects together and we are learning a lot of things together and we both love it we both love doing those projects together and they are projects that we never would have done together we never would have learned together or been in these boiling pot situations (laughs) right if if we didn't have them so how many years have you and Eric been married so we've been married just over four not really that long. Sometimes it feels like 10. I can't believe it's not 10 sometimes. <laughs> but we've been married uh, four years in October, but together nice. for five. So we were together about almost a year before we got married. And Yeah. Larry and I are going on 12 this year. <laughs> Oldie. <laughs> I know. Makes me feel old. No, it's just funny what you learn over the years, though, with being in a relationship like that, whether you do outdoor projects or you know if you're a city person and you do other things that's it's just fun to do a project together because I feel like projects they get you to get this creative side of your brain working and it's like problem solving 
mindset to, okay, how do we want to do it? And how do we want to arrange it? So like when we first moved into the house we're in now, the, we put in the arena. So we had to figure out, okay, this is how much space we have. So we got a Google earth photo of our property and measured it all out and did all of this. And <laughs> Larry hated me for this because we, I would always be rethinking how we wanted to do the horse paddocks. So when we first moved in, I think we only had two big paddocks. And so we just split this big area back behind the arena in half. And then because we had our horses, jo Jasmine and Cody, and then we had my father-in-law's horses. And at the time he had two horses, Red and Quasi, which we still have Quasi, old grandpa. Um, <laughs> but then we... Then we split it into three because we ended up getting more horses. And then I started training. So then we put up 12 by 12 stalls because at the time, all I could afford was enough panels to do a 12 by 12. But then over the years, I made it into 12 by 28 and we added a 16 foot panel on there. And then, so we were just always moving panels. And every time Larry would just grumble under his voice, well, moving panels again. I don't know why we have to move so many damn panels. Like <laughs> Like, because it's going to work better this way. <laughs> of course it is. And, uh, but we're to the point now where, like, we've put up our solid, not going anywhere shelters. You know, they're cemented into the ground. They're made of steel. Um, and so there's a lot less moving around to, <laughs> to be done. <laughs> so, okay, question for you. Because I am honestly, I'm just the same way. I'm constantly rethinking everything. I'm constantly redesigning everything. So I'm kind of scared to put in actual permanent things because I feel like I'm going to just want it to change in like six months. How was it for you? Was it the same for you when you actually made them permanent? Yeah. Yeah. So the stalls that we just added last year on the north side of my arena, they're all made of drill steel and sucker rod and they're welded together. So they are not going anywhere. <laughs> I mean, those things are going to last decades. <laughs> um, and it definitely was like, ooh, well, like, <laughs> hopefully we don't want to change things because if we do, like, it's just stuck where it is. <laughs> um, and the nice thing about the old stalls that we have is we do still have a little bit of freedom. So, uh, for instance, I have four stalls on the one side where I keep my training horses and then I have my larger paddocks for my personal horses on the opposite side of the little alleyway. And um, this year I decided because I am slowing down with horses, so I'm not taking as many outside horses, I took the panels in between two of the stalls out. So now it's broken down into just three stalls. And but the one is twice as big. So now it's 24 by 28, which is super nice. And I've actually been using it to help wean my little full Zaya. So it's been super nice for that because then she has a little more room to move around. And having those panels in between is definitely still nice because they are movable. <laughs> the shelter itself is not like it's still, you know, obviously covering the same area and, and not movable. But eventually we do want to have Larry put steel in there. And I think we will leave it as a larger paddock over there. And then just any outside horses that we want the smaller stalls for, I'm just going to put it on that north end. So, but it definitely is intimidating to put something permanent because I do, 
like my goals are, are always shifting and changing. And <laughs> at one point I'm like, I want to hire like multiple assistants and have like eight horses down this side and all of this. And now I'm like, no, no, <laughs> I, I actually mind. don't want that. <laughs> Not at this point in my life, but maybe down the line I do. I don't know. <laughs> well, I'm, so. I'm the exact same way. Like I said, I'm constantly re that's why we've done so many fencing projects is because I'm always rethinking how I want the horses to move how I want things to look and we just did our first shelter together um built a little lean-to off of our we've got a shipping container that I use as a barn (laughs) um Mm -hmm. and we just built a lean-to off of that and we cemented that in and it was it was pretty permanent filling where I'm like, okay. I mean, technically we made it so we can move it if we ever need to take it down and either move it with us or if my parents don't want it because it's on their property. So we made it so we can technically undo it. If we needed to, it would be a lot of work and a lot, you know, a lot of hard work, but still there's that permanent feeling that I'm like, what if I don't want it here, you know, in the summer <laughs> or something yeah, and it does again, it's like that problem solving mentality of how can we build this so that our future plans will work, but it's not going to be there right now because, like I talked about in another episode, um I don't do things on a loan. So like some people would just be like, this is what I want, and then I'm just gonna get this big loan and get all of it right now and then pay it off. And now, for me, when I built these shelters, we only put a roof up. Um, but our goal in the long run was to be able to put sides and sliding doors on them. So we had that in mind as, okay, now when we do have enough money to buy extra steel and tin and all these things to build this, that it will work and that we don't have to be like, oh shit, we did it wrong. And now we can't put this stuff on and it, it won't work this way because of this. And so it it does get me to think a little bit more long-term of, you know, will this work? And would it work if things changed, if I had changed the way my business was going? And so it's, yeah, I, I, I think that's so good for your brain. I think as adults, once we get out of the school setting, whether it's, you know, high school or college or anything past their grad school and all of that, I think we kind of can stagnate and get stuck and not have any type of learning or or creativity, or play, or any of that. So I think these projects are just so, so good for that, to be able to continue growing as a person, and as a couple, and just always learning is so fun. I don't, I, sometimes I just, I'm like, I want to go back to school, but I I don't, but. (laughs) But I get a, I'm, I'm the same way too. Like, I don't want the rigidness. I just want to keep learning about all this stuff. and I agree I think being able to do that together as a couple I mean I don't think Eric and I would be as close as we are today if we didn't have all the projects that we've done together and if we hadn't like I said I mean we got put in a boiling pot when it came to some of these projects because not only are we having difficulties getting through some of them because of just the communication differences but we have to repeat and we do them a lot I mean, like I said, fencing, we've probably, in, we've been together, what what did I say, five years? So four years married, five years together. We've done fencing, I don't know, 10 or 15 times in, in four years, right? And we've fenced a lot. 
But if we hadn't had to continue to go back and continue to fence because it is a need, right? Like we have to have good fences. I, I don't think we would be as close as we are or be able to communicate as well either. But because we had to keep going back and handling the difficult situations with each other and handling like, okay, we've got to figure out how to communicate better because every time we fence, I end up in tears and he gets frustrated with me. So really figuring out, okay, how can we do this better so both of us feel good about the project so we can be a team um, was really powerful, right? So like being forced to go back and doing the hard things together, I honestly would not give that away for, for the whole world. And I, I really do think is one of the biggest blessings of the fact that we do have animals, that we do have to figure out how to do it and how to take care of them together. Um, it's been really cool. Yeah. So I have a question for you. Do you ever feel like he resents you for your animals? Uh, no, I don't. Um, he, like I said, he knew exactly what he was getting into when we were married. And I, I'm also, I think it helped by the time we got married, I was to a point where I was pretty blunt. I was not about to give up any of my stuff. I was, I dated enough guys where I really did go into it going, well, it's okay if he doesn't like that. I can get, like, I cannot be a horse person. Like, that'll be okay, right? Like, I can just, no, <laughs> that was not going to work. Um, So going into it, I was, I was very blunt from the get-go of, hey, this is what you are signing up for. You're, you're not okay. Then there's the door. And I think that is a big thing. I think, honestly, it would be harder for him if I had been like, oh, it's okay. I don't really need horses. And then figure out two years or three years or four years in that, oh my gosh, no, I'm missing a big piece of myself and I need those things. Then maybe it would be harder because, because I would have given away such a big part of myself and he would have gotten comfortable in that. Right. Where for me it was no, this is who I am. And you know what, if, if you want to be a part of my life, this is, this is what it is. So he, and he's also just an amazing guy, you know, he would never resent me for anything. And he really has stepped up in a big way when it comes to the animals. Um, like today we're, we're podcasting. So on podcasting days, he goes and he does all the animal chores. He feeds all the animals in the morning for me. So you and I can podcast. He doesn't complain. That's just what he does on Wednesdays, right? Is he, is he goes out and feeds? That's just, that's just a deal. And like I said, I, he's never once complained. There are times too, where I will be having a really, really bad day and he'll just say, Hey, you stay inside. Why don't you go take a nap? I'll go feed. I'll go take care of the dogs. I'll go take care of the chickens and, and everything. And I've always really appreciated that because he, he really has stepped up in, in a big way as far as that goes. Um, but I think too, it does help that it's not like he was an animal hater, <laughs> you know, it's not like he didn't want animals because he hated them. He just wanted to be able to travel more and, and things. Um, so yeah, yeah. I don't feel like he resents it at all. Um, I do think if I wasn't in the picture or if I, if I just changed my mind tomorrow and wanted to sell everything, I think he would be on board too. You know, so <laughs> the only thing, the only thing I think he would have a hard time with is if we got rid of the dogs and the cats, he really does love those two animals. I was going to say those kittens, man. <laughs> oh yeah. He's, he's, he's a sucker when it comes to the cats. <laughs> he, you know, even if it was between the cats and the dogs, he would choose the cats for sure. Um, <laughs> but as far as the horses go, he would not care if I decided tomorrow that I wanted to sell the horses. He enjoys them. We really enjoy trail riding together, but 
you know what he doesn't care if we have him or not so that is definitely yeah. more me um what about you though do you feel like because Larry wanted to get out of horses he didn't want to be in horses anymore do you ever feel like he resents you um no I don't think so I think I mean there's definitely times where I think he feels like he works his weekends because when he's off work he comes home and and builds me stalls and builds welds me shelters and does all the things and like right now we're working on building a tax shed so he's doing that and we're mapping that all out and getting it ready to build and so um I do think sometimes it's it's a lot but at the same time his personality is go 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 do 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 like it he doesn't stop <laughs> almost to a fall like I have to tell him honey like you need to relax <laughs> like go have some downtime because <laughs> he will he'll just go from this project to this to this to this to this um and so I do think it is good for him and then he also has that bonding aspect with not only me you know because we do both enjoy riding we both love riding but with his dad because they rope together they team rope and so I think that's really fun for him to be able to have that time that he spends with his dad and um and I mean, he's just, he spoils me. I tell you what, he's one of those people that just does things without being told, without being asked. If there's a need that he sees, he goes and gets it done. Um, and he's just amazing at that. And I'm more of a person that <laughs> you might have to tell me because if I, like my brain is always like here, there, and everywhere thinking about this project and this next thing that might happen tomorrow. Like, <laughs> I, I make lots of plans and lists and things and, and my brain goes all over the place. And so I don't always notice the things that are right in front of me. Uh, I'm working on being more present, more, much more of the time. Um, but yeah, it's, it's funny because sometimes I will notice his irritation that I don't notice things. And so he, he notices it before I do. So he gets it done before I do. <laughs> and then I'm like, I didn't like, need you to do that I just didn't get to it yet like my brain would have eventually realized that that needed to get done <laughs> so I'm just trying just to catch funny. up okay <laughs> I know I'm like my brain is over here I have my brain hasn't made it back over here yet um, well and that's, that's funny because I feel like Eric and I are you like both of us are like you we're both all over the place neither of us are all that like oh here's the need and I think that's why we have to do things together because mm -hmm. by the time we both catch up to this is what needs to be done we're both on the same project yeah yeah I feel like one of the the bigger things for Larry and I as far as a little bit different than your aspect is because he is such a horseman and he has been in it so many more years than I have that has been something that has also been a, a learning process for us of learning how to both be different types of horse people because he is not the same type of horseman as I am. Uh, we have different styles, different ways of training, different ways of doing things and uh, learning how to navigate that and not fight over it and like try and coach each other too much and things like that um, has been fun. And it's actually... I think it started long before horses were involved because like I said, we didn't get into horse ownership until a couple of years into our marriage, but I grew up LDS or Mormon and I'm no longer am, but he grew up, I don't know what you would even call it, agnostic. Um, so not Christian. And 
when we were first dating, so many people and, and early on in our marriage too, so many people would ask us or mention to us, like, how do you guys make it work with different belief systems? And to me, it's, we really aren't all that different in our beliefs. Our values, our core values of right and wrong and kindness to other people and a good work ethic and just so many things like that are so similar that there's more than one way to be a good person and that's kind of the way that our marriage and our relationship started out was he can be an amazing and good person with his beliefs and his lack of religion and I could be a good person and have good beliefs with my religion at the time you know and with my beliefs and so I think that kind of started us off where we were able to be different and value our differences which I mean <laughs> definitely early on it, it it is hard to to figure out okay how do we navigate this and especially when we had kids you know how do you do that and how do you go about teaching these different things but I also feel like with like translating that into horsemanship there are so many different ways to be a good horse person and to train a horse and horses are adaptable. Like Larry's horse, Lola, he's hard on her, but he's fair with her. She knows what to expect from him. He is consistent and she thrives with that. And she loves that. And her temperament just works so well being this like, go, go, do, do. Like she is his personality. Exactly. And so they mesh so well. Yeah, I mean, she to be consistent like that, he's not being unfair to her. He's not being abusive to her. He's not doing any of those things. But some of his methods of the way he would do it versus the way I would do it are different. They're very different. Um, and especially where for a while we did work together. And so he helped me train Colts for a little while when he was in between jobs. And um, we did learn to be more consistent with the horses. And at that time, I was also at a different stage of where I was too. So I was a little bit more similar to him at that time. So we were able to communicate that way and, and make our techniques pretty similar of the way that we used our, our hands and our legs and different things to coach these horses. But um, I don't know, there's, it's been good, I think, to show our kids that you can be open-minded and you can see different perspectives and and that's okay you don't have to have everyone agree with you and have everyone do it the same as you so that's kind of been one big thing throughout our entire marriage and our dating relationship is just learning to be different and be okay with differences that's really interesting and I love I love to hear that because Eric and I have a very similar experience um we, we both grew up in the LDS religion as well and then got married in the temple um, or in the LDS temple. And then I, nine months into our marriage, I think maybe a year. I'm, I don't think we quite made it a year. I think it was like six months, actually. Six months. I'll give it six months. Um, Eric Eric decided that um, he was actually atheist <laughs> and, and left the church. And that was a big, interesting blow. <laughs> for me <laughs> it was it was it rocked my world for sure just trying to figure out how do we make this work because I and I want to ask you so again I, I want to try really hard not to make this about religion but I am so curious um <laughs> because in the LDS religion and I don't know maybe I grew up a little bit differently than you so you let me know but we are taught so hard that you don't date outside of the religion right you date 
this certain you always make sure you date somebody who's in the in the same religion as you so it's really interesting that you were even willing to date larry him not being lds so why (laughs) why did you do it (laughs) (laughs) so larry and i actually started out as friends for a few months before we started dating um and i had dated a ton of guys and what kind of spurred me into dating Larry after being friends with him is he was a better guy and had better, more solid values, values that he chose for himself because he was not in organized religion. He was a better guy than all these guys that were returned missionaries and um, were in the church and claimed to be these amazing people because a lot of those people's wise behind why they were following the religion was well because that's the religion I was raised in and that's what my parents told me to do and that's what the church tells you to do and Larry just had this solid like you just do it because that's what's right so we actually had a conversation with a friend the other day that was asking Larry about like what was it like growing up in Utah where like 90 percent of everyone is LDS and you weren't you know like what was that like and and we were talking about that and he said that people would come up to him and ask him these questions like like the one question was well so if you don't think you're gonna go to hell for doing it then why don't you just do it like why don't you just do that naughty thing that bad thing and he's like because I don't want to like it doesn't feel right I feel like what (laughs) question is that like just because I'm not gonna get a consequence for it doesn't mean it feels right it feels good you know, and so he had this whole different way of growing up, of forming his own thoughts, his own beliefs, and what he felt was right and good, and and all of that. That I think just made him such a strong, confident, good person because he was doing it for the right reasons. And I do think that the Mormon Church does create a lot of good people because the people that are drawn to that church are typically people that are willing to put a lot of effort in because it is not an easy church to be a part of. There are a lot of rules. It's very strict. Um, and so the people that choose knowingly to be a part of that religion, I do think it can create a lot of good values. And I don't, um, I don't regret growing up in it. I do think it created a lot of good values in me. Um, but that's because I was, I was choosing that and I wanted that. And, and so I had a good why, but yeah, Larry was just so much more of a, a good, guy and just a genuine good guy not a guy that was pretending to be someone he wasn't he was true to who he was he was a genuine good awesome guy so that's kind of how that happened and um and I won't go too much more into that there's some different stories about that evolved I know maybe because there was another episode but there was a lot of shame for me Mm -hmm. in that of like at one point Larry was banned from my house for like I think it was oh, four really? or six months. Oh yeah, my parents would not allow him to oh. my house. <laughs> oh, and that's hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so okay. he couldn't come and visit. And um, so how did that... how did he handle that? Maybe we will make this episode about those guys because now <laughs> I am like so no. intrigued. But I okay for me, if my in laws had hated me from the get go, I would not have married my husband. So it's interesting. How did he handle that? How did he come to terms with that? 
Um, in the beginning, it was definitely hard. Like he he didn't like visiting because he knew they didn't like him. <laughs> um, but after that, like roughly four to six months that he was banned, my parents realized that he wasn't going anywhere. He's my guy. He's my person. He's my forever. So <laughs> like, you can either allow him around or like I'm I'm going to stop coming around because he's part of me now you know, and, and this is, this is who I, who I want to be with. And, um, so eventually they were like, okay, like you can start coming around again. (laughs) Um, but it's interesting because over the years, my parents came to the exact same realization that I did. And they, they saw that in him. They started to see, oh, like, that's why you picked him because he is this good guy and just has good values and all this stuff. And they started to see that. Um, and there definitely are some differences because my family are very city people and we're very country people. So there definitely are a lot of differences there. So they, they don't have as many things that they relate to each other on. So there is that a little bit as well. So they're, they've never gotten super close just because of the differences in who they are and and how they relate to each other. But it's definitely become uh where they they love him they love him being around and it's not such a big deal but yeah in the beginning it was a bit rocky (laughs) and was it just because of the differences in beliefs like that's why he wasn't allowed yep well and there were times that my mom would just cry because well you guys can't get married in the temple and so I'm not going to be able to be with you in the next life and be sealed to my grandkids and all those things and so she was just devastated about that because to her that meant that our forever was different Mm -hmm. and to me I'm like that doesn't change anything in our forever to me like Mm -hmm. that's my belief system was different at that time and so um yeah it was it was rough going for a minute (laughs) yeah well I mean it's I'm sorry, guys, this is turning into kind of a religion topic, but this is a big part okay. of who Camry and I are. <laughs> um, but it is hard because for me, so when Eric left the church, I mean, it was it was devastating for me because you really do like being growing up in that and being taught that all your life that, you know, you do these things or you will not ever be together. Right. Like that's what we're taught is, is if you're both not in the same path, if you're both not in the same road, you're not going to be together forever. Um, It's very conditional. And it was very devastating for me when he was like, yeah, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in the church. I think it's all, you know, whatever he thinks. Um, Just trying to figure out how to make that work, because I was definitely not in a place where I was ready to throw it all away. I mean, that was my whole life. And I kid you not, there was quite a few people who were, who were just like, well, you divorce him. Duh. You know, like that, that's what you do. But at the same time, it's like, well, I love this guy. <laughs> you know, he is my, he, like you said, he is my person. He is the best thing that ever happened to me. And to try to figure out how to make it work with, with the del- different belief systems is hard because for some reason you think if your beliefs are different, your values are different. But that's not the case. And it took us it took us a long time to really figure that out and to really work through that and figure out that, wow, actually, our values are still the same. It doesn't matter what either of us believe. The values are still the same. Like, we still want to be good people. We still want to do this. But I had so many people like concerned family ask me, so is he going to drink? Is he going to do drugs? Is he going to do this? Is he going to do that? And I'm like, well, he's still Eric. You know, he's still (laughs) 
the same person. He hasn't just like flipped a switch and turned into a different person, but people really think that you do, you know, when you leave a religion and it, yeah, it's been an interesting uphill battle so, with all this, especially handling family. Cause both of our families are very LDS are very much still in, which is great. You know, they're great people. Like you said, they, they're amazing. They are kind. They, they value service and, and everything. And it's, it's been interesting and it, it has been hard to try to balance that out with us. And for me, I have no idea where I am. I feel like I'm in limbo, you know, like I, (laughs) I, I don't know. I don't know where I'm at, where I'm at with anything. And it's, it's another one of those things that's just even brought us closer together, having to work through that and realizing, wow, we stuck it out. Cause, um, I found a really good community of people who who were fi- mixed faith marriages and how they were making it work. And I made a couple of really good friends and it was always really sad to watch people get divorces, even though they were good together. But just because they have a difference in beliefs, they they couldn't make it work. And I just, that was always really, really sad to me and always really eye-opening to me as well, watching some of these friends go through that and realizing, you know, like, but their spouse was still a good spouse. Their, their marriage was still a good marriage. And the only thing that was different was the, just a difference in beliefs, even though values were still the same. And that was very eye-opening for me with working through things with Eric was just like, you know what, our values are still the same and we're going to make this work. Um, there's still some very scary days too with, with having that as your background, but, but yeah, you can make it work. Values, values are a big deal. And if your values are the same, you can make anything work. I feel like. Yeah, I agree. Well, we've put like our, our most important values on, we've created, we made little um, signs and things in a little planter box that have our four top values for our family. And they are in our front room up on a wall with canvases of me and Larry and the kids and the dogs. And um, so, yeah, it is, it is about values and it is about also valuing your differences Mm -hmm. because this world would be so boring if we were all the same, you know, and just because one religion or one specific way of being doesn't serve us anymore, doesn't mean someone else can't still find value in it. So like a lot of my family members are still LDS as well. And I don't, look down on them for it. I haven't become one of those like anti-Mormon, like, whoa, Mormonism sucks. It just doesn't serve me anymore. It doesn't, for who I am and who I have evolved into, it doesn't help me become the person that I want to become anymore. It doesn't serve me in that way. But to my dad, it helps him be the best version of himself that he feels like he can be. So I think that's wonderful for him and I'm not going to hate on him for being part of that religion. So I just think as long as people are still trying to be good people, if they still have good values, if it's still helping them make better decisions every day, who cares what religion they are or what what belief system they follow or anything else, the specifics of certain things, as long as they are trying every day to be a better person. You know, it's... There's a lot to having, seeing value in our differences, so. (laughs) Oh, for sure. Well, and I mean, religion is a huge one, especially, I feel like when you, when you grew up in Utah, my husband grew up in Utah, like you guys did. Um, And it is, it is your culture. It is everything down there. Um, And it was interesting for me because 
I don't know. I feel like I grew up to a lot more nuance, nuance thinking, more accepting a little bit. Where Eric and and his way of growing up, it was very much like black and white. You do this or or you're bad, you know, or you do this or you're bad or you do this or you're good, you know. And I never had that. I I don't know. I just I feel like I was a little bit more and I granted I still there are still lots of things that I look back on and I go oh my gosh I can't believe I was that judgmental or I can't believe (laughs) I said that or I can't believe I did that you know right like Like, just big apology right now to anyone that I ever was very judgmental towards because I was I was very close-minded yeah at that age when I was younger and very very into the Mormon religion I definitely like I would see girls in bikinis and be like oh Mm-hmm. sinners oh, <laughs> how could you you know oh yeah so, or tank tops apologies. or whatever and now mm-hmm. I live in them <laughs> yep apologies to all those people I'm so sorry anyway I continue no, ditto ditto <laughs> if you knew me back then I I'm really sorry I promise I'm not that same person <laughs> um but there's a lot that you do learn just I don't know, by, by having a spouse that does believe differently, it is amazing how much you learn and how quickly you learn when that happens. Um, I don't know, the last four years, I felt like I've just been in a speed bubble where like everything is just going 10 times faster than it should. That's why I'm like, that's why I feel like sometimes I feel like we've been married for 10 years because we have, we have dealt with a lot just in our four years of figuring out mixed faith marriage, figuring out the differences with having animals or not having animals and the differences in just, just generalness that you do get when you get married, period. You know, there's just a lot that goes into it. And it is crazy to me still, even even with us being married for so long, um, I don't know, the way that people look at us is still very different when they, like, figure out that, that Eric is atheist and, and we're not really sure what we're doing in this life or, you know, or, or what's going on. Um, and it's really interesting the amount of opinions people feel like they get to have in how we handle things as well. I don't know if you've got that. But man, there's a lot of opinions out there with how I should be handling my marriage right now. And and it's really, it's really interesting to work through that together as a, as a couple and to bring and be like, well, you know, Susie thinks we should handle it this way. You know, what do you think? Oh yeah, that's kind of dumb. But also figuring out that, hey, we need to be closer as, as a partnership because we do have a lot of people who feel like we are doing it wrong. Right. Yeah. And because of that um we are closer than ever to the point sometimes I feel like maybe we're a little too close (laughs) (laughs) sometimes I'm like are we codependent I think we're codependent (laughs) well and like everyone has their own journey like I hate to sound corny with that but when you had said I feel like I'm in limbo right now it's actually not limbo it's a great place to be in because it's this place of self-discovery and just this journey of what do I believe and why and just all the deep deep things that I think growing up as like this is my belief it was handed to me you know I didn't have to really dig deep into the why it was just that is what it is you know I this is what I believe and this is what I'm told to believe and and I was deep in it you know I was that was my religion but yeah when you start coming away from that it it creates so much deep thinking and self-discovery that 
like don't think of it as limbo it's it's such a good place to be in I promise like you come out of it such a stronger and better person with so many more insights into yourself and into your marriage and yeah yeah no I love that reframe actually it's it's helpful because sometimes like being in limbo can be lonely (laughs) you know it's (laughs) like I don't know um but I love that reframe of like self-discovery I'm not in limbo I'm in self-discovery and I I really like that reframe but I mean just like you said when you grow up and it's handed to you you know and the hardest thing for me when Eric left is well there was a couple of hard things um but one hard thing was for me there had been so many points in my life already where I had solidified my why of staying right like there had been Mm -hmm. so many traumatic experiences that I had thought about leaving the church when I was in high school right like I just it wasn't for me I wanted to leave and then there was a lot of circumstances where I had friends die I had my dad almost died lost my my horse at the same time you know like just all of this loss and for me it wasn't very healthy for me I was like oh well this is my sign like I better not you know think of leaving because everyone's gonna die (laughs) Um, but at the same time too it also I found a lot of comfort in that way too because I was pushed into a situation for the rest of my high school career so like four years of my life where I really did feel like the the heavenly father that the LDS teaches was the only person I could talk to right that was that was the only connection I really felt like I had that I that I could actually share everything that was going on because there was a lot of things at that time I couldn't talk about that I wasn't allowed to talk about um and so for me pulling on that and going oh my gosh like having this this god that that's the only person who actually shows up for me right? That's the only person I'm allowed to talk to about some of these things that are going on. And, and gosh, it was, it was so, so hard. So then when Eric left, to me, it was like a big slap in the face because one, we had gotten married with, these are the expectations, right? Like we're going to get married in the temple. We're going to stay true to this church. We're going to follow all these lines. I expect you to show up in this way. And he expects me to show up in that way. And when he left, it was like, well, what the heck are we supposed to do now, right? Because now all of these steps we're supposed to do, we can't do anymore. Because when he left the church, he was no longer allowed to to bless. He was no longer allowed to be a priesthood holder. He was no longer allowed to go to the temple anymore. He was no longer allowed to do a lot of things that to me was a deal breaker when we got married, right? Like it was a deal breaker that he be able to do these things. And so when he, in my, in my head, when he made the choice that he was going to leave, he just like threw our marriage under the bus kind of a thing. But I am just so grateful that I stuck with it, you know, that I really stuck with it, that I looked at him and realized that he really is the best thing that's ever happened to me and that he is my person. He is my, just my foundation. He is an amazing man. He is, I like to say he's, he's the person who holds the string to my kite, right? He keeps me grounded Mm -hmm. and allows me to fly. Um, and being able to realize that through all of the emotions that you go through when something like that happens and you feel like this, this person who's supposed to be your priesthood holder, who takes you to the celestial kingdom, who keeps your family together, (laughs) gave up, you know, because that's how it felt. He didn't give up. But that's how it felt, right? Um, just being able to fall back on, 
okay, but why did I really marry him? I didn't really marry him because of these things. That was just the perk, right? The perk was that he was also this person, but I married him because he treats me so well, because he is willing to sacrifice the fact that he's not going to be able to travel every weekend because I have horses, because I have things. He's willing to sacrifice that to be with me. And he's willing to go through all of the crazy emotions that I go through when everything, you know, happens. And, oh, like, it's just, I don't know. You just grow so much. You grow so much just learning that differences aren't the end. And just give yourself that time. So anyone who's going through it, if you ever need to talk, I'm in the middle of it come to me like (laughs) I always need more friends (laughs) so I have a question for you Michaela Mm -hmm. so do you feel like because you have since left the church right sort of yeah like I said I'm in limbo I have no idea where I'm at with it so I feel like that's why so many LDS people will tell you if your spouse is not a member or if they leave that that's why you need to leave them because they will take, they will lead you astray, Mm -hmm. right? They will, they will make you leave too. Mm -hmm. And you will leave for your spouse if you stay together. Um, so I guess the question is like, do you feel like you're leaving because of him or is it more of like him leaving just led you on this path of discovery kind of thing? That's a really good question. We're getting into deep stuff today, Camry. (laughs) not anticipate this at all this wasn't wasn't even in our notes (laughs) Um, no so let me preface everything I'm saying too where I had very strict boundaries um with what he was allowed to say what he wasn't allowed to say and I had a lot of people tell me that that he really shouldn't have a voice in our marriage anymore that you know he gave up the right to have a voice in our marriage um which I didn't believe, right? Because I'm like, I, that's not the kind of marriage I want to have. But that is what people tell you um, when you're in the religion and the spouse leaves is that, well, you are now the person who's going to save him. If you stay in, then he will be saved by proxy. And that just means you, he, like, he's not allowed to say anything because you don't want him to drag you down kind of stuff. And I knew for me that wouldn't work, right? That I didn't want a marriage like that. I didn't... Um, I wanted Eric to be Eric. I wanted the partner that I married. And I knew if I approached it that way, I wouldn't have my partner anymore. I wouldn't have my person anymore. And so even with that, I still had very strict boundaries because I was so emotional. And so like, I just had such a hard time dealing with everything that Eric was very, um, would never, never talk to me about things. So it was very much like if I ask then we'll talk about it. But I also had veto power of like, I need to, I need, I can't talk about it anymore. We need to stop this conversation. Right. Because there's a lot and it's, it's hard unless you grow up in, in such a strict religion. I feel like to empathize with that. Um, there's so much of you that is tied into that belief system. And when something comes up that, that is taking away from that that you feel like it's taking away from that I mean it just it is the most emotional hurtful thing ever and so having some conversations was really really hard so 
Um, so I will preface that like Eric did not come into it and go, okay, I'm going to bring you to my level, right? That was not what he did at all. He was very, very good at just moving with me and going, you know what? Um, just, just from the get go, just told me like, I am his person. I am the most important thing. If I want to go to church, we will go to church. If I want to do this, we will do this, but I can't expect him to be the person I had in my head that he needed to be right like I couldn't expect him to go to church and pay attention <laughs> right <laughs> like he he got to play um, games on his phone if we went to church and I couldn't say anything about that um and and I didn't want to either because he was there with me um but yeah like I I wouldn't say that he brought me down at all because again he wasn't allowed to talk to me about it like he wasn't allowed to just bring stuff up and I, I don't want to say not allowed but it was a very much of a minefield we were both dancing around because I was so emotional and so distraught and I didn't know what like there was there was a good year where we weren't really sure we were going to make it to be honest where we were just like we'll play it by ear we'll go day by day you know let's just go day by day let's see if we can work this out um so he definitely was very careful. Like he never talked to me about any of the issues that he had, um, unless I came to him and said, Hey, I am learning about this. Can you like, what have you learned about it? Um, and it was a lot of more my own self-discovery because I'm trying to figure out where we can find common ground. Right. Um, especially when we talk about like having kids, how is this going to work with a mixed faith marriage? How is this going to work with, with our two completely different beliefs and, and where do you really stand? And um, so I actually dove into like church history kind of stuff and, and found a lot of things that I had no idea about, which I don't really want to like blow anybody's world. So I'm not going to say anything about it, but there was, there was stuff that I'm like, I was not taught this. I do not remember any of this stuff that that's really what got us talking more. Cause I was like, wait, did you know about this? <laughs> like growing up, you know, and, and it was all church, church stuff that I was looking at. It wasn't like anti-Mormon stuff. Cause you're always warned that you can't look at the anti-Mormon stuff. Don't, don't read books. Don't do this. So it was, I stuck very much with like the LDS.org stuff and, and the papers that they were putting out. And there was a lot of stuff in there that really shocked me. Um, that still to this day, I'm still um, learning more about, and I'm still definitely like researching and learning more and just realizing there's a lot that I didn't know about it. And that's, that's more of my journey is just realizing, wow, I feel like, I feel like there's a lot of things that were kept from me and I don't understand why they were kept from me. Um, when it comes to some of, some of that base stuff. And that's, that's where I'm at is still figuring that out. But again, it is still a very important piece of who I am. And that's where I'm at too. My whole family, both of our families are still very in. It's part of our culture. We're not allowed to really talk to our families about these things, right? So I'm still trying to figure out how to make it work and still feel like I have family connection as well um, with this because there is that fear that we will lose a lot of the connection we do have. Um, or that's my fear, I guess, is that I will lose a lot of the connection I have um and why I'm stuck in in limbo with it all and there are pieces like you said that I love about it I love the community that it provides mm -hmm. I love the fact that that you do get together and you have to see people every week right like I I miss that we don't go to church as much now um and a lot of it too is it's very very triggering for me at the moment um it triggers a lot of trauma responses from me right now so we we don't go at the moment but I I really miss the community 
that it provides. Um, I really miss like the service projects and I, and I miss having structure, like the structure it provides as well. So there are definitely things that I still love about it. And I'm still trying to figure out like, okay, can we make this work? I don't know. Without really believing in some of the core things, there's a lot of the core things that I, I don't believe in anymore. But again, it's all I know. So that's where I'm at, Camry. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's awesome that Eric has supported you through that. And because I know a lot of people that do leave the church get very anti-Mormon about it mm-hmm. um, because of some traumas and things that have happened in their life because of being a member of the church. And so they tend to get very adamant and like heated about it. Um, so having a husband that's willing to just let you take it at your pace is, I think, amazing and a blessing. And just the the support system, like that right there goes to show that he really is an amazing guy to be able to support you through something that's so big. I mean, support is probably one of the biggest things you need in a marriage. If you don't support each other in what you're doing, I don't think you're going to make it. You know, like if you're just, you see your spouse do something and you're like, that's not going to work. And just like constantly questioning them and just making them feel less than and not showing that support. Yeah. Your marriage is probably not going to make it. And I feel like that's why our marriage has made it is we do support each other. He just wants, it's like you said that I loved that phrase of he's the string to my kite. You know, it's like he does help me fly and help me reach my dreams I would not have been able okay maybe not would not it would have been insanely more difficult for me to reach this point in my my dream my passion my career without him I probably could have done it uh (laughs) debatable (laughs) because he has just helped so much and um and and made the dream a reality of me being able to have kids and have the job that I love and that I have worked so hard for. And so I just hats off to Larry because, and Eric for being such amazing, amazing support systems. So yeah, there's my hats off to my husband. (laughs) Seriously. We have some pretty amazing guys and you know, we say this and we are praising them doesn't mean it hasn't been hard and there hasn't been some shit shows you know like (laughs) like really I mean but but they are amazing and it is hard work and I know everyone always says marriage is hard work marriage is hard work you don't get it until you're in it you know you just don't and you don't understand you never you never are just prepared for what actually does come up I feel like and having having an actual partnership to me partnership is not people who agree all the time but it's people who are willing to communicate and willing to just be there like you don't if you just think about a business you don't set up a business partnership with a clause that says well we're staying partners until I don't agree with you anymore right it's yeah you're you're in it together it's 50 50 you're you're pulling you're pulling equal weight and when somebody can't keep up with the workload the other person will will step up and and then vice versa you know it just that that is a partnership and honestly through I feel like both of your and I's experiences having the differences and and really digging down and finding those values is really key I feel like um and that's that's one thing um that was interesting when Eric and I found ourselves in a mixed faith 
marriage was the question of, do we have the same values? You know, like, it's crazy to me how just making that change made us question whether or not we had the same values. It's just, it's insane to me. And, but you really are taught that. I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like we're always taught that people who leave the church are led astray and they're going to become awful people. And, and then an issue we've, we've had, we, (laughs) we've had a few family members who have prayed for bad things to happen to us. So Eric comes back to the church and I've had to stop that um, pretty quickly and say, you know what, I, I don't appreciate you praying for bad things to happen to me. Um, I appreciate that you are concerned about us and that you are thinking about us, but I don't need that in my life. Like, please do not do things, but it is, it is crazy what people will jump to. Um, and one hard thing too, is anytime that we're going through a difficult situation, it is really hard because family members do believe that we're, we're going through it because Eric's atheist, you know, like it's just, it's very hard that way to handle outside relationships but I tell you what, like our relationship together has grown a hundred times because we're battling that together and neither of us have given up. Yeah. Well, and that outside perspective can be pretty crippling. So, uh, someone very, very close to me when I was going through all of this and, and kind of trying to figure out where I stood with the church and everything, I was told by this person that because I was willfully disobeying the Lord, I would be struck down by lightning. Wow. Yeah. By one of my closest, closest people to me. Yeah. (laughs) And just having, I mean, the rest of my life I had been, I was in seminary council, which is like a youth group for people that don't know um, within the church. And so I was on the council of the seminary. (laughs) So, I mean, I was, I was what they call Molly Mormon, you know, I was, I was way up in it. And, um, and I was always praised for like, I was always following the rules and I was always the good kid and just so much praise and, and doing things and getting this was just like now because of considering leaving the church, all of a sudden I'm struck by lightning versus being praised and, and all of that. I'm like, I'm still the same person. I'm still, I still have these values. There's just certain things within the religion that I'm questioning, but my core values and beliefs are still very much the same. And, and yet the lightning, you know, like it is yes, crazy. The, the perspectives that you get of people just thinking that all of a sudden you are this whole different person that is going down this horrible path. And I'm like, I am more fulfilled. I am a better mom. I am a better wife since leaving and, and really just digging deep into who I am and what I believe and, and all of that. So I'm like, think what you want from the outside. (laughs) It is so hard to navigate that because you get it, especially in Utah. It's such a Mormon culture here. Um, for people that don't know, like we mentioned, it's like 90 ish percent LDS, depending on what community, what city you live in. Mm -hmm. Um, Salt Lake is significantly less, but yeah, it is that, oh, that judgment you get from the outside is, makes it even that much more tricky to navigate. (laughs) Well, for me, it was really eye-opening because I was still fully in and we were getting that with Eric. People were coming to me telling me how Eric was going to hell 
and if I had children with Eric, they were not going to be able to be with me. And like all these really horrible things, even though we're not doing anything wrong. Like he didn't go kill anybody. He's not on drugs. He's not abusing me. You know, for all intents and purposes, we were still fully Mormon. He just didn't believe, you know, we were still going to church. We were still doing all the things. And yet people still told me things like that. And it just, I mean, it made me sick because I'm sitting there going, my husband is amazing. I couldn't have asked for a better husband. And yet you're telling me, you know, nothing. First of all, you know, nothing about what really is going on because they didn't ask, (laughs) you know, they didn't want to know, but you're going to tell me all these horrible, terrible things and you're going to damn us and you're going to, you know, tell me how I should handle my marriage, even though you're not in it. It was not so to me. And honestly, that was a big push for me to, to really look in more into things was how people were treating us. Even though we were doing everything right, Camry, like we did nothing wrong. Literally the only thing that was different was just Eric just didn't believe anymore. We were still going to church. We were still, we still had callings. We were still doing everything right. And yet people still looked down on us and people still told me that, you know, Eric was a horrible person and, and I just better be careful because someday he's going to wake up and he's going to be a different person. He's going to start doing all these things. And it just, it went, it scared the crap out of me (laughs) just to have all these people. I was like, what the heck is going on here? Um, but then realizing too, Eric, Eric taught me a lot about boundaries um, because you grow up in this culture and you always say yes, no matter what you say, yes, you say yes to whatever calling it is, no matter how much it's going to affect your family, no matter how much it's going to affect your mental health, no matter what's going on, you always say yes. And it's been interesting to see like when I say no and go, wow, like I just, I never thought I could say no. I mean, and with church things, but then that related to other things too. I was always very like, oh, okay. You know, I was very just allowed things to happen that really shouldn't have been able to happen in a lot of situations because of that mentality and being able to really realize that and realize, oh my gosh, I can have actual healthy boundaries. And when people come up and tell me that my husband's going to hell, I can tell them, you know, what to go do with that statement. And it's just like... Like, oh my word, like you can't talk to people like that, you know? It's just, yeah, I don't know, Camry. But again, I I wouldn't change the experience for anything because it yeah. has taught me so much about me, but also about what partnership really is like and about what marriage really is like. And yeah. honestly, there is nothing at this point that I feel like is going to separate Eric and I. I'm like, as long as we continue to communicate, as long as we are open and honest with each other, I feel like we can make it through anything. Yeah. Because honestly, this experience being dealing with mixed faith stuff and, and dealing with all of that, I, I it's been horrible. I mean, we have lost family members. We have lost friends. We have lost all of these relationships that we could have had, you know, or that we did have. And being able to go through that together and handle it together, I'm like, I really, at this point, I'm like, you know, we can handle anything as long as we continue to communicate and as long as we continue to be honest and open with each other. Yeah, absolutely. 
So I guess that'll wrap up our episode about our spouses. <laughs> oh my god, turn for something we weren't expecting. No, this is one of those things like I never really thought I'd say publicly, but I guess here we go. I know here it is. <laughs> Thank you for listening to The Horsewoman Project. If you have a story to tell, please email us at thehorsewomanproject at gmail.com. Links to both of our websites, social pages, and emails will be added to the show notes, as well as any links that are mentioned or contact information for our guests. Talk to you next week.